Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. Brought to you by Blue Sky Business Consulting. We discuss five questions in about 15 minutes. Hi again, everyone. Glad you could uh, join us for another episode of the Team Engagement Podcast. And I am excited to welcome our guest today. This is Jill Blankenship. She is the founder and CEO of the Frontline Group out of West Palm Beach, Florida. So, Jill, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on the podcast today. What would you like the audience to know about Frontline Group? Thanks, Sean. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I would like people to know that uh, Frontline Group really consists of uh, four different companies that I've started and all kind of have something to do with the contact center world. Uh, it, It consists of Frontline Call Center, which is our BPO. Frontline Services, which is where we work with other companies and stand up and build their contact center technology and then support that. Uh, It comes with Frontline Management, where we provide really fractional uh, services, outsourced services for other companies around finance, um, HR, uh, some some back office duties, and then Turnio, which is our mobile app that sits on uh, or or helps best support Nice CX One and Five Nine for their agents on the go. Oh, fantastic! Well, you cover a lot of ground then, so you are a great person to know for any of those kinds of services. If you're a business- everything contact center, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, very good. Well, thank you again for taking some time. Let's go ahead and uh, get started with the questions. Our first question, Jill, as you've been building your business or businesses in this case. Is there a challenge that you've overcome that you're especially proud of? Yes. Um, Obviously, with with every business comes challenges. But I would say the biggest challenge, uh, and especially in the early days, you know, I've been at this now for a little over 18 years. So uh, is really, you know, the money factor, coming up with enough money to, to run your business and grow your business. And I'm really proud to say that you know I've never missed a payroll, and that that was always been a you know very important wow. priority for me. Um, but you know, in the early days, I had um, you know I was always coming up with some kind of working capital, and, and how was I go- going to get that? And it, it was never quick enough, and you know it was just one of those constant things. And I remember uh, I had somebody who was interested in investing in the company. And he actually came down from Canada and at the, t- you know, at the time and, and still is our headquarters are in on Orcas Island in the state of Washington. So uh, he had come down from Canada and I had, I was really only, you know, two, three years into the business and he came in and, you know, wanted to look at my EBITDA and, you know, at the time was still very small, didn't, didn't have a whole lot of uh, revenue. And certainly my EBITDA wasn't very big. And he offered me uh, $20,000 for 40% of my company, which at the time, you know, seemed really attractive. $20,000 was a lot of money. It would have, it would have made me feel a lot more secure, you know, than, than where I was at. But boy, thinking about giving up 40% when I still had, you know, these great dreams of growth and, and hard work that it was going to take to get there, and so um, I, I'm I'm proud of the fact I did not do that. 
you know, because at the end of the day, and certainly today, that, that would have been a great investment for, for them, but not so much for me, because I would have been working really hard for, um, you know, uh, for not, uh, for somebody else instead of, you know, my own group. And, but I think that that is a struggle that most companies go through. I used um, a lot of, uh, not a lot, but when I needed them, loans. You know, I got a, a couple of great SBA loans, uh, which do take time to get. And there were always those cringing moments, you know, when I'm filling out the paperwork and signing my, you know, my life away. And, um, but those always came in handy. And I think I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that I still own hundred percent of my company. That is fantastic. And I'm really glad that you shared that, Jill, because that is a big challenge for a lot of growing companies, especially in those early days yeah. when the business owner or owners, if there's a partnership or however new there may be, how to decide whether to surrender and give up or sell some of your ownership. And sometimes that money is really attractive, but the terms aren't so attractive. And so yeah. I'm glad that you were able to do two things. One, be brave enough to say no. And two, all these years you've held on to your equity and you own 100%. I, I love those kinds of stories. That's not to say that there may be businesses out there that don't benefit and it is the exactly. right decision. But I love those that are able to say, I own 100% of my company and I run it and it's it's mine. So yeah. I love that story. Great story. <laughs> Thank you. All right, well, Jill, question number two, how can leaders help to foster a culture of creativity within their company? Yeah, that's such a great question because it's really part of the culture. I think it really comes back to how do we provide that workspace um, and how do we build those around us, um, you know, to have that creativity. And and you have to have space to to have that creativity. But before that, I think it really comes from empowering someone the freedom uh, to to be able to be creative and that means that you you can certainly lay out and you know the criteria of what you want to include in that or what's important to you the, the three to five things that are kind of critical and then kind of let them loose um, so that they can take that that ownership and and that pride and being able to create create something and come back and present it and um, and and carry it through, carry that vision through. And so it's executed. And, you know, I think to me, that's where that creativity comes from, is that freedom and that that power to do it. I completely agree. That's such a great comment because we do need to have the ability to, to let our team members create because quite frankly, in my view, a lot of employers are a little bit heavy handed and don't allow for the creativity. And those are the very people that can help and times when you kind of need it the most times when you've got yeah. and and if you put so many rules behind everyone yes. then then they're kind of like you know a bit um a bit afraid to share and you yeah. want you want people to be able to share their ideas and suggestions and that doesn't mean you know we have to implement every every suggestion but to be able to have a conversation understand why you know right. somebody sees things a certain way or sees an opportunity or, you know, or a message that, that they feel is important. And I think with that, um, really, that's where that freedom comes from. Yep, absolutely. Great comments. All right, question number three. 
how can leaders help the employees or the team members learn to trust each other? Ooh, and that's that's a really interesting one because over the years, you know, I've had challenges um, where building trust um, isn't always the easiest thing to do, even if it comes with the right intention and clarity. Like, you know, I can come, come in and say, this is why we're doing this and this is why, you know, this is happening. But if, but if that point of view uh, can, you know, sometimes is interpreted um, differently, you know, where, you know, for example, you know, when we're doing role changes or things like that, or more, you know, you bring other people into the company with different roles and some people can take that to me to be very threatening and very, um, you know, like they're scared to lose their job. They're scared to lose their responsibilities. They know things a certain way. And so that trust can be then kind of jaded with, with just a fear. And so I think building trust really needs to come with transparency, um, communication, and clarity. And then on top of that, it needs to come with having those conversations and understanding you know, why someone might be afraid, what's causing that to happen, or seeing a behavior and you're like, you know, that's, you're kind of creating your, your, um, your own empire. And that's never good, you know, being single threaded and trying to, trying to make it all work. So it's, it comes with transparency and being really clear and then repeating it a lot so right. that that, so that that vision is, is really understood and and hopefully with that then can come that trust to work together and collaborate because that's really where I think the magic of, of business comes is when you can bring a group of people together with different skill sets, different you know opinions, different point of views, different experiences and so that we can all work together and having those conversations with that transparency and sometimes vulnerability. You know, so that so you can say, you know what, I'm really nervous about this. I've been doing my job this way for a long time. And now you want me to kind of do it this way where where that can be that can be scary. Yeah. Great comments about transparency, clarity, communication. Very important. Could not agree more. It is uh, trust is a hard thing to build because everybody has a slightly different definition of it. Everybody looks at it a little bit differently. But uh, some great ideas that you've suggested to the audience here on how leaders can build trust and help their team members build trust with each other. So love that. All right. Well, Jill, question number four, and I'm sure that this has never happened to you, but as you've been growing the business, there's probably been, um, you know, maybe a setback or maybe a failure of some kind. Um, if that might have by a chance have happened to you in your business, is there one that you kind of look back on and you think, yeah, it was a failure, but we turned it into a win. Well, there's been so many. So <laughs> let's see. Um, so really, this is something that happened recently, just this year, where we lost a big partner opportunity. I mean, we had we had been with this, you know, partner doing this this certain role for almost ten years, and and they decided to go in a different direction, and you know, this was over a two million dollar a year revenue stream, and it happened really fast you know, which is, they have every right to do. And so, but it was really scary because it was like, this is a huge revenue stream. I have a huge team supporting this. 
what are we going to do? I don't, I don't want to lay people off. I don't want to shut down this division. I've got, you know, we've got so much experience in this, you know, having done it for 10 years. And, um, and so it really took, so to me, you know, in some regards, that's a failure, you know, I think even though it wasn't necessarily based on performance or, you know, or, or something that you did wrong, it's still, you know, you're cutting off big piece of how the company is modeled. And so it took some time to say, okay, here I've got this amazing team. I wanna keep the team in place. How can we pivot and utilize this talent in a different way? And I think the coolest thing ever is that um, I was kind of able to identify where the demand is today and then place a plan utilizing uh, the team that I have so that it was like a perfect fit for growing that again. We still had to kind of start back from square one, but because the demand's there and and we're there to do it, uh, it it was a much easier fix than than trying to restructure altogether. So Mm -hmm. it was identifying, you know, what's our lowest hanging fruit? You know, where is... Here's what we know. We don't want to do a complete pivot and change, um, you know, change the whole thing. Right. Um, but how can how can we keep our model and and still provide those services just in a different way? And it's yeah. actually opened up a huge amount of opportunity that I really couldn't have done unless we had that door shut. Yeah. And that's that's part of the and that's part of the reason why I asked the question is because yeah. in so many cases business owners if they take the right approach which you obviously have if they'll if they'll look at it the right way those setbacks those unexpected twists and turns that are going to happen in life as well as in business the failures as we perceive whatever it is there are always some opportunities but we have to kind of calm ourselves a little bit and be able to kind of take a, a lot breath. of calming. <laughs> Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. That's a, that's a big that's a big challenge when we lose uh, some significant revenue there. But I really applaud your efforts, especially bringing your team together and saying, "Okay, what what can we do here? Yeah. What adjustments can we make? What can we identify as some opportunities, low hanging fruit, so on and so forth?" So great, well done, great job. I know that's a, that's a tough thing, but uh, I love that story and I appreciate you sharing it. All right, our last question, Jill. Tell us a little bit, kind of a fun question. Tell us a little bit about your first job. It was a long time ago, Sean. Two <laughs> <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, yeah, my first job, I was 14. And I worked for, um, I went to work for the Hagen dazs ice cream parlor that was right next to the movie theater uh, back, back in the day. And it was my first job. And um, I'll never forget that smell of ice cream. That you just can, you know, just it's like absorbs into your whole body <laughs> when you leave, you know, just it's cleaning up right. the ice cream and working around the ice cream. Uh, but it really taught me a lot of, um, you know, where you kind of have to stick to the rules because they had a rule of how much ice cream put either on a cone or in a bowl. You had to weigh it. There were really strict kind of guidelines behind serving, um, serving that ice cream as well as establishing a, a great work ethic because their rules were so clear, you know? And that's what taught me 
I, I think through through my career over the years is like having that work ethic, having that consistency, um, and then and having that clearly defined so everyone knows kind of what their role is and what they're doing and how to do it is really the way to go. But it was a great job. Oh, that sounds like a fun job. I love ice cream, so I, I know. <laughs> I'd have a hard time not sampling a little too much, but um, well, that was not the, the that was against the rules. You couldn't sample too much because you know everything right. was was weighed and distributed. Sure. And boy, they they it's would the know. Tapped oh, into yeah. the goods. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing the story because I do. Uh, the reason I ask the question is I do like to hear what people have learned from that first job, <laughs> and how it may have influenced what they're doing now, especially as entrepreneurs. A lot of times, people learn that they uh, didn't necessarily like that first job, but a lot of them find that they love that first job and they, they right. had a lot of things that contribute to how they run their business now. So that's great. Well, Jill, thank you again for taking time to be with us. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, they can certainly go to our website, which is uh, www.frontline.group. It's not a .com, it's a .group. So frontline.group. Uh, they can certainly go to LinkedIn and find me. I'm really responsive. You know, they can they can email me, jill.blankenship at frontline.group. Um, so that's really any one of those ways. Great. All right. Well, obviously the audience there, if you need a little HR help or accounting help or whatever it is, talk to Jill and reach yeah. out to her. Contact center help is our first priority. But Contact yeah. center. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's put that at the top of the list there. If you need some contact center help, that's what you go to Jill for. There you Fantastic. go. All right. Well, thank you again, Jill. And also thanks to everybody for joining us every week. We always appreciate your support and we wish you a very happy day and a happy week. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. We also invite you to follow or subscribe to our podcast wherever you may be listening or watching.